What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I'm your host, JT. Make sure you guys go ahead, leave a like, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. This is not just a podcast that's available on YouTube. You can find us on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from, you can find the JT Sports Podcast. Leave us with the five-star review if you enjoyed today's episode and you want to support us. Apple, Spotify, all you got to do is type in JT Sports and it will pop up. Or you can go down to the description down below, scroll down a little bit, and there will be the links to the Apple and Spotify versions of the podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be giving you guys my college football week one predictions, picks against the spread, all that good stuff. We're also going to be discussing some NFL topics, the Baltimore Ravens. I think that they're going to be a really good team this year. They could be incredibly dangerous. I got some additional thoughts to add to the TCU versus Colorado matchup because I think a lot of people are sleeping on Colorado. People think just because they utilize the transfer portal, it's not going to work out right away. They got some really talented players out of the transfer portal. This is Deion Sanders, bro. Deion Sanders knows how to find talent. He won at Jackson State. There's just a lot of things we have to discuss, man. Make sure, once again, that you go ahead, leave a like, and subscribe to the channel. Colorado is a really interesting team to look out for in week one because you really don't know what to expect they're a 20 and a half point underdog going into this tcu game and for some reason you know people are kind of treating tcu like they're alabama georgia or ohio state just because they went to the national championship this last year here's the thing colorado has some really talented players. You got Shadur Sanders. He was probably the best quarterback in FCS last year. Just because he's going from Jackson State to Colorado and he's going to be playing in tougher competition, it doesn't mean he's going to forget how to play football. Shadur Sanders is a really talented quarterback. He has a really good arm, really good accuracy. He's a damn good athlete. And this offensive line is not small. People keep telling me, man, Colorado's offensive line is really small. They're not going to be able to handle themselves up front against better competition. Their whole entire offensive line is nearly like 300 plus or bigger. Their starting center was pro football focus, first team selection at center. I mean, this offensive line has enough talent that they should be able to handle themselves pretty well up against TCU. TCU's defense has a lot of veterans on it. It is a really talented bunch. But offensively, they only returned three starters from last year's team. So they've been in the transfer portal pretty heavy as well. They're going to have a new quarterback and Chandler Morris. He was announced the starter around this time last year over Max Duggan, but he got injured and Max Duggan took over and he didn't look back. But we don't know how good Chandler Morris is going to be. They also got a new offensive coordinator. They lost Garrett Riley. They're going to be bringing in Art Bryles, who is a pretty good offensive coordinator, but with them having so many new faces on offense, they're going to have to get acclimated to the way he wants to call plays. 
I think that Colorado offensively has an advantage over TCU because when you look at Shadur Sanders, he's a better, more proven, established quarterback than what Chandler Morris is. And in college football, if you got an elite quarterback, there's not a single game that you shouldn't be able to win or at least be able to stay competitive in. They're a 20 and a half point underdog against TCU. I'm really surprised that the point spread is so large in this game because I really don't think that TCU is all that better of a team from a talent standpoint than what Colorado is. Y'all treating Colorado like they bums. They got playmakers on this team. They got Travis Hunter. This man was the number one recruit coming out of his recruiting class. He's a dominant player. He can play both sides of the ball really well. He's a great route runner as a wide receiver. He's really fluent getting in and out of his breaks. And he's really fluent as a corner too. You got a shutdown corner and a fantastic wide out. He's going to be playing both sides of the ball. He's going to have a huge impact on this game. You got a really deep group at wide receiver. You have Jimmy Horn Jr., who is a preseason first team Pac-12 returner or second team, I believe. Not just is he a good returner, but he also is really good in the open field. You give him the ball in space on reverses, jet sweeps, bubble screens. He can take that shit to the house. This is a really talented team that Colorado has. Do y'all know about Alton McCaskill, their RB1? Well, he didn't play last year for Houston because he suffered an injury, I believe, in the spring that kept him sidelined for all of 2022. But his true freshman season, he has 16 touchdowns. 16 as a true freshman. This dude is a monster. Y'all are not ready for all McCaskill. I'm trying to tell you people, man. Colorado is going to be able to give TCU a game. Now, I've picked Colorado to win this game. You feel me? Because they got a really good chance to do it. Even though they are playing on the road, TCU, they got a lot of things that they're trying to figure out. So is Colorado. But Colorado has a really good coaching staff. Deion Sanders is not this novice as a head coach. Okay, Deion Sanders has won games at Jackson State. Outside of his first season, he's been really good as a head coach. He also knows how to assemble a really good coaching staff. His offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis, previously the head coach at Kent State. You remember when Kent State took Georgia to the wire last season? Everybody was giving Sean Lewis props, even Kirby Smart. Even Georgia fans in the comment section. If you go and you watch Sean Lewis press conference and you look in the comments even they acknowledge how good of a coach sean lewis is he didn't even get fired from kent state he stepped down he said fuck it i want to go ahead and be an offensive coordinator under Deion sanders kent state had the best offense in college football a couple of years ago daniel scott in the chat asked is Shadur better than chandler morris absolutely absolutely when you have the quarterback advantage, you have a huge chance or a huge opportunity to pull off a massive upset like what Colorado could pull off this Saturday. Shadera Sanders is a really good quarterback. It really bamboozles me how people make it seem like just because he's going from FCS to Power 5, he's going to struggle. There's been 
plenty of quarterbacks who've been able to be successful having to step up in competition, transferring from a FCS school. Y'all pay attention to the Pac-12. I know that shit's about to die out and go extinct. But if you pay attention to Washington State, they got a really good quarterback named Cameron Ward. He played for a school called Incarnate World a couple of years back, and he was one of the best quarterbacks in the FCS. And then he followed his head coach to Washington State, who was his offensive coordinator. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12 last season. You remember Vernon Adams? That's a throwback name, but he played for Washington State, led them to an upset over Oregon State years ago where Oregon State was ranked, and they were like the first FCS school to pull that off. He was the quarterback of that team. He transferred to Oregon, and he was pretty solid. Shadur Sanders is not going to be a bad quarterback for Colorado. I don't get how people trying to make it seem like Colorado doesn't have talent. They got game changers. They may not have elite depth, but they got way too many game changers for this game to be a blowout. They got the number one cornerback coming out of high school last year and Cormani McLean, who Dion flipped. Cormani McLean, Travis Hunter, I like that quarterback duo better than anything that TCU has. And TCU has a really good secondary. I don't mean that to be disrespectful to TCU. I'm not trying to crap on the horn frogs, but what I'm trying to make you guys realize is that the talent discrepancy in this game is not as big as what you think. TCU is not as good as a team as what they were last year. They had a lot of seniors on that team. They had a lot of veterans. Hell, most of their team from last season is in the NFL now. TCU isn't one of those programs that just reloads every year like Alabama, Ohio State, or Georgia. They got to retool. They have to hit the transfer portal pretty heavy also. You don't know if everybody from the transfer portal is going to work out. You can say the same thing for Colorado, but most of these guys have already been proven. Jimmy Horn Jr. was a all-conference selection when he was playing at USF. Same thing with Xavier Weaver or Xavier Weaves. He was a second-team all-AAC selection at wide receiver. So you get two really good USF transfers at wide receiver. Colorado has a better team than what people are giving them credit for. You know, ESPN only thinks that Colorado has like an 8% chance to win this game. Let me show you guys this. This is incredibly crazy to me, right? So you go to this ESPN. So this ESPN um, little predictor thing, right? They got a little tool that tells you the probability or the chances that a team has of winning the game. And, you know, they are incredibly disrespectful to Colorado and the Buffs. Look at this. Can you believe this? Can you believe that Colorado only has an 8.2% chance to beat TCU according to ESPN's matchup predictor? They think that TCU is just this good of a team? 91.8% chance? When Colorado has the better quarterback? I'm trying to tell you people, man. Colorado is going to surprise y'all. I would not be surprised if Colorado wins this game. This is a game that should not be a blowout. This should be a competitive, a competitive game. 
I don't think that Colorado should go into this game and not cover that 20 and a half. They should at least be able to keep this game within two touchdowns. TCU, they got a lot of new faces on their offense. Their defense is really good, but Colorado's going to have a really good offense. Colorado's offensive line has plenty of size. They do not have a small offensive line. Their defensive line is a concern. And TCU, if they can figure out their offensive line, it could be a big mismatch that they could exploit. TCU is a really physical team. They were a really good team when it came to running the football up the middle last season. And if Colorado's defensive line isn't up to snuff, at least on the interior, they're going to have a hard time stopping the run game that TCU could have this year. But I think that a lot of people are massively underrating Deion Sanders and the Buffs going into this game. You don't got to believe that Colorado's going to be able to win this game because it is hard to win on the road in college football. But there are other factors that play to Colorado's advantage. TCU is going into week one. They're a team that's a favorite, a huge favorite, and they could come out a little rusty. The best time to pull off upset in week one against a team that could be marginally better than you is to be able to get them in a week one situation where maybe they come out a little bit rusty. Colorado is not going to get blown out. Their offense has plenty of talent to put points up on TCU's defense, even though TCU has a really good defense. And their secondary is really good. I don't know about TCU's wide receivers. They may have some talent there, but I don't think they are incredibly deep at that position. I think that it's fair to say Colorado has a better group of receivers than what TCU has. Deion Sanders, at least when it comes to skill position, I think that Colorado has some really top-tier talent at defensive back, wide receiver, and running back. They may not be incredibly deep at offensive line and on the defensive line, but they got athletes there. I'll be surprised if... Colorado doesn't keep this game at least within 10 points. Y'all sleeping on the buffs. Y'all really are. The Baltimore Ravens, people, you guys need to pay attention to this team. This is potentially one of those teams that could come out of nowhere and end up knocking off Kansas City. They are that good of a team. And you want to know what makes Baltimore a different team this season than what they have been in the past. Greg Roman was previously their offensive coordinator. And if you've been watching the Ravens over the last couple of years, since Lamar Jackson's second season, they've been a run-heavy team that runs a lot of tight end sets, two, three, on the field at a time. And they don't really do a great job at empathizing or emphasizing getting the ball to their wide receivers. That's why Mark Andrews was able to thrive, and that's why the tight ends always do really good in Baltimore, because Greg Roman loves to utilize tight ends. Three tight end sets are like four wide receiver sets to him and his philosophy on offense. So they had to go away from Greg Roman because although Lamar Jackson was having a lot of success under Greg Roman, he reached the point where he kind of needed somebody who could get him to the next level. And Greg Roman, a big knock on him is that he doesn't really do a good job at developing elite passing concepts. He's really good with mobile quarterbacks, but when it comes to developing them as passers, 
He's really underwhelming in that department. It was a big criticism with him when he was the OC for the 49ers. And it was the same criticism that the Bills had with him as well. And Tyron Taylor was a pro bowler under him. Lamar Jackson needs an offensive coordinator that's going to elevate him to a different level as a passer. Lamar Jackson can throw the ball at a really high level. He may not throw the best looking ball every time. It may not be a tight spiral, but he can get the ball there. And with his new offensive coordinator, which his name is Todd Munkin, Todd Munkin is going to bring a different dynamic to this Ravens offense that the Ravens haven't had in their whole entire franchise history. When's the last time the Ravens had two or three solid wide receivers? They got OBJ in free agency. They drafted Zay Flowers. You guys seen Joystick in preseason. This dude was fantastic. He was getting comparisons to Antonio Brown. Elusive, incredible speed, incredible route runner. Doesn't really get jammed up on the line too often. Him and Lamar, they're going to hit it off, and they've already been hitting it off so far throughout preseason and training camp. Odell Beckham Jr., we know what he could have done in the Super Bowl if he would have stayed healthy. And even when he was playing for the Browns, it's not like he was boo-boo. It's not like he was garbage. He didn't do anything. When he was healthy, he was still a 1,000-yard receiver. Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the most talented wide receivers to ever play in the NFL. Believe it or not, in the first three years of his career, he was having a Hall of Fame kind of trajectory. And then the injuries hit him, and then he kind of fell off. But if OBJ stays healthy, he probably should be in the conversation for Comeback Player of the Year. The Ravens are one of those franchises that just know how to get a lot out of players who it may seem like they're past their prime. You remember Steve Smith? When he had left the Carolina Panthers and went to the Ravens, people thought that Steve Smith didn't have anything left and he was the Ravens' best receiver. The Ravens have not been a franchise historically that has spent a lot of money or a lot of time when it comes to receiver. The NFL has changed now. It's not the early 2010s anymore where you can win with having good tight ends and Okay, wide receivers. You can't win with an old Inquan Bolden and Torrey Smith anymore. You need to have some solid wide receivers who can be dynamic. And that's what the Ravens have. We're not even talking about Rashad Bateman. He's not a bust. It's just that he struggled to stay healthy. But when he's been on the field, he has shown some flashes. You got Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely. And with Todd Munkin calling the plays... He's going to elevate this passing attack. He's not just this college offensive coordinator. There's a narrative that I've had some people throw at me when I try to sell them on Todd Munkin being able to elevate this offense. And they say, those college coaches don't work, JT. Um, do you not know that Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator, was the defensive coordinator for Michigan? He was a college coach, and he was really good last season. The Ravens had a top 10 defense. I'm pretty sure that Todd Munkin is going to do perfectly fine as the OC for the Ravens. This isn't his first rodeo in the NFL. He was also the OC for the Browns. 
Baker Mayfield's second season under Freddie Kitchens, even though he didn't call the plays, people were begging for Freddie Kitchens to allow Todd Munkin to call some plays. His final season when he was the OC for Dirk Cutter, his final year in Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick under him led the best passing attack in the NFL that year statistically. The Ravens with Todd Munkin now are going to have the ability to throw the football at an efficient level in the postseason. To win in the playoffs, you got to be able to throw the football. It's a passing league. You can't use the whole old school, or you still got to run the football to win games. It's 2023 now. Y'all got to get with the times. If you can't throw the football with two minutes left, and you're down seven, and you need a touchdown to take the game into overtime, you need to be able to throw the football with the game on the line. Running the football can only get you so far if you don't have a quarterback that can come through for you in big moments throwing the football. And Lamar Jackson has struggled with that in the playoffs. The Ravens now, with Todd Munkin as their offensive coordinator and giving Lamar Jackson a legitimate supporting cast, are one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL this year. Lamar Jackson... Behind Patrick Mahomes is probably the scariest player in the NFL. The way that these NFL players talk about Lamar Jackson, this dude is God on the football field. The way he's able to get from 0 to 100 in a snap of a finger, his open field elusiveness makes him incredibly hard to stop if you're a defensive back. He can embarrass you and put you on the highlight reel. It's really hard to defend Lamar Jackson when he's playing at his best and when he's able to be a true dual-threat quarterback. When he's healthy, the Ravens have a winning record and they normally are around the one or two seed. Every single time Lamar Jackson has gotten injured, the Ravens have went from being a top team in the AFC to barely making it into the playoffs. Lamar Jackson under Tom Munkin's tutelage, should be back in the MVP conversation this year. Lamar Jackson, if he can play at an MVP level this year, this is a Ravens team that is capable of being able to go on the road and beat Kansas City, knock off Joe Burrow and company in the AFC, beat the New York Jets. They've been one of the best teams in the NFL where Lamar Jackson has been healthy. And now that he has an offensive coordinator that's going to elevate this passing attack and the same supporting cast that guys like Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes have had, Lamar Jackson now has all the keys to take the Ravens to the Super Bowl. This is a dangerous team. Not only can they win this division, but they possibly could win the AFC. Todd Munkin changes everything for the Baltimore Ravens. You guys need to pay a lot of attention to who's going to be calling the plays for the Ravens this year. This is not the same offense that you saw last year. These are my college football week one predictions. Going to be giving you guys my picks. Let's start off with Florida versus Utah. It's already been announced that Cam Rising isn't going to play in this game. I still like Utah. They're playing at home. They're going to have the home field advantage. I think that playing in that atmosphere is going to be a little bit different for Florida to be able to handle. And I do think that Graham Mertz can be competent in this game. I do think that he can have a solid showcase 
in this matchup. You remember how Bo Nix and Michael Penix were able to resurrect their careers when they transferred to those two Pac-12 programs in Washington and Oregon? Wisconsin wasn't really a program that was known for being able to develop quarterbacks at a high level. Grand Burst could surprise some people, but overall, I still think that Utah has a better overall team. Michigan is going to beat Eastern Carolina or East Carolina. Even without Jim Harbaugh, they still are a way better team than East Carolina. TCU is playing Colorado. I like Colorado. I'm trying to tell you people, y'all are massively underrated Deion Sanders and this Colorado Buffs team. They have way too much talent for them to just go into that game and get blown out. Give me Colorado, and I like them to cover as well. Shadur Sanders gives Colorado the advantage at quarterback. Chandler Morris doesn't have the same productivity that Shadur has. They also got game changers. You got Travis Hunter. Kermani McLean, a really good secondary. TCU's going to have a really good defense, but TCU offensively, I don't know about them in this game. Iowa should handle Utah, even though we don't know about that offense. Kay McNamara, there's some injury skepticism about him. Oklahoma is going to take care of Arkansas State. I think Oklahoma is a little overrated this year. They're going to get tested against SMU next week. Tennessee is going to beat Virginia. Virginia is probably one of the worst teams in college football this year. They don't really got a lot of talent. Ole Miss is going to beat Mercer. Oregon over Portland State. Notre Dame is going to continue to roll against Tennessee State. Wisconsin, they're going to beat Buffalo. Indiana is terrible. Give me Ohio State. Washington should beat Boise State. Even though Boise State is an interesting team, they may be able to keep it close in the first half with Washington, but we'll see. Rice, there's no reason Texas should be losing to some food, especially with them having Alabama next week on the schedule. They should be extremely motivated. They should be ready to come out and prove themselves against Rice, make an example out of them, and build some momentum going into Tuscaloosa next week. Georgia doesn't play nobody for the next couple of weeks. Georgia has the easiest path to a three-peat that we may have ever seen in the history of college football. They don't play a great team until late in the season when they got to go on the road and play Tennessee. USC is going to beat Nevada. We're going to see how that defense looks in this game. San Diego State or San Jose State, excuse me. They had a really good quarterback. We're going to see if... Nevada is going to do anything, but I don't think Nevada's that good. Kansas State plays Southeastern Missouri State. Texas A&M is going to handle New Mexico. Man, I love South Carolina against North Carolina. North Carolina is so Drake made dependent that if Drake made doesn't have a good game, I don't really think that this game is going to be that close. Drake May is damn near a god at quarterback there's not a single throw that he can't make and even though unc may not have a great team around him they still with him in the game are a threat to win the majority of their matchups as long as he's playing at a high level i think that south carolina though is going to get some really good quarterback play out of spencer rattler 
Spencer Rattler, the last three games of 2022, he was absolutely on fire. He couldn't be stopped, especially against Tennessee, where he torched them for six touchdowns and no picks. If he can carry that momentum that he had in 2022 into this season, South Carolina should win this game. They're a more talented team than North Carolina. Their offensive line should be improved this year. UNC's defense has been non-existent for the last couple of years. South Carolina, they do have a lot of talent in the secondary, and they got a lot of confidence that their defensive line should be able to step up this year. Penn State is going to beat West Virginia. Things are looking really dim for West Virginia right now, especially their head coach who is on the hot seat. Shout out to Mid-Tennessee State. My boy Ralph Mincy plays for them, but I'm sorry, my boy. Y'all going to get blown the hell out by Alabama. Y'all have no chance in that game. This ain't Miami, bruh. This is Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and they, they got some shit to prove. So I like Alabama to beat them. But shout out to my boys, Mid-Tennessee State. Love my boy, Ralph Mincy. Tulane, I like them over South Alabama. Oregon State should be San Jose State. We're going to see if San Jose State has as much success offensively in this game that they did against USC. Oregon State has a significantly better defense than USC, and they're better up front than USC, in my opinion, at least from a performance standpoint. I like Florida State to beat LSU, man. I really believe that Florida State has a way better squad than what LSU has. LSU, they have a really talented team, but I think that when you look at all of the additions that Florida State has made in the transfer portal over the last three years, Jordan Travis is from the transfer portal. Johnny Wilson is 6'5", 235, 240 pounds at wide receiver. I don't know if LSU has anybody in that secondary who can stop that, man. And then you got Jaheim Bell. He's a freak. This man was doing everything for South Carolina last year. He was a tight end playing Wildcat quarterback, H-back. He can play receiver. There's no limit to the talent that FSU has this year. I like them over LSU. LSU has some questions on the interior of their offensive line. They got two outstanding offensive tackles. They were two freshman All-Americans. But their interior offensive line is really questionable. I like Clemson to handle Duke. Even though Duke is not a team that I'm going to overlook. I think that Duke, I don't really think that they have the talent. I got to enter a tiebreaker value. What's the tiebreaker value? Where was that at? How do you enter the tiebreaker value? Man, I don't even know how you even put the... Oh, there it goes, man. Uh, Predict the combined point score by both teams in the game indicated. Man, I think that Duke-Clemson, they're probably going to end up having 63 points combined. Oh, I said 73. 63. I think that... Clemson probably is going to win by at least two touchdowns, but Duke can put some points up on those boys. I want to give you guys my college football week one picks against the spread, man. We're starting off with my beloved Miami Hurricanes playing against Miami of Ohio. Will the real Miami please stand up? Please stand up. Miami is going to beat Miami of Ohio. 
And I don't think it's going to be close. They're a 17 point favorite. They should cover that. They made a lot of changes on their offense. They're going to be running the air race style offense. Tyler Van Dyke was one of the best upcoming quarterbacks in college football prior to last season. But the whole entire coaching staff just kind of let him down. Mario Cristobal made up for it with their new OC who comes from Houston. And they also got a new defensive coordinator as well. Miami of Ohio, uh, I don't really think they're that talented, but we'll see. But I like Miami to cover. I don't really think this game should be close. If this game is close, it will be extremely alarming. Louisville, I think they're going to be able to have their way against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech will have a new head coach, new quarterback. But I just don't think that Georgia Tech is that good, man. I still think they're one of the worst teams in the ACC. Iowa is going up against Utah State. Their defense is so good that I don't really think Utah State is going to be able to do anything offensively. Even if Iowa's offense still is crappy like what it was last year, they should still be able to skate by Utah State. Michigan, 36 and a half against Eastern Carolina. I, I think they can cover that. I know this concerns about Jim Harbaugh not being there, but Eastern Carolina isn't going to be able to match up with the physicality and raw power that Michigan has. Michigan should be able to have this game over by halftime. They may not cover by halftime, but they probably should cover before the fourth quarter. Eastern Carolina, I just think they're just going to get out-athleted, out-physical. There's no reason they should hang around with Michigan. Purdue against Fresno. I like Purdue. I think that Purdue has, with a new head coach, even though they're going to have a new quarterback, um, Hudson Carter is really solid. I think that he's going to have enough talent around him that Fresno State shouldn't be able to win this game. I like Purdue to be able to win this game outright and cover. Tennessee is a 28-point favorite against Virginia. I like them to have this game out of reach by halftime. Virginia is one of the worst teams in all of Power 5. I mean, they got awful. They got so many concerns at Virginia, man. Everywhere. Everywhere. Tennessee, Joe Milton, that offense should be looking like it was last year, at least in this game. SMU is playing Louisiana Tech. I like SMU. SMU is one of the best teams. When it comes to G5 programs going into this season, Rhett Lashley got some really talented players out of the transfer portal. They got a really good quarterback. SMU, I think they may give Oklahoma a little bit of a battle. Of course, I like Colorado. They're massive underdogs against TCU. People are massively overlooking the quarterback differential in this game Shadura Sanders is way better than Chandler Morris this game shouldn't really be a blowout Colorado should be able to hang around with TCU TCU they got a really veteran defense okay their defense has a lot of experience and it does have a good amount of talent but they only return three starters from last year's offense Colorado has a lot of talent at wide receiver a lot of depth Oh, McCaskill running back. This dude was a 16 touchdown dude his true freshman season at Houston. He didn't play last year because he got injured before the season, but he's fully healthy now. Look out for him in this game. I like Colorado to cover. 
And I also like them to be able to win this game outright, even though it's on the road. Iowa State is playing Northern Iowa. I don't really know. I like Iowa, but they, man, they got some concerns at quarterback because their quarterback was gambling. So he got some discipline. Northern Iowa, though, I don't really think they should be able to keep up with Iowa State. Even if this game is close, I think Iowa State just has a better team. Ohio State is a 29.5 point favorite against Indiana. They're going to have a new quarterback, but they just got so much talent. Indiana, they're just a mess. Their head coach is probably going to end up getting fired at the end of this season. Wisconsin against Buffalo. I like Wisconsin. I like Washington to cover 14.5 against Boise State. Western Kentucky goes up against South Florida. I like Western Kentucky. They got a really good quarterback and receiver duo. South Florida, they're still a program that's rebuilding. They got a new head coach there. Cal, I like them against North Texas. Cal did utilize the transfer portal pretty heavy. They did lose their starting quarterback, but I do think that they have enough talent that they should be able to take care of North Texas. Houston versus UTSA. I like UTSA. UTSA just is a way better team than Houston. Houston does have some firepower on offense, but their defense is absolutely terrible. Toledo against Illinois. Illinois should take care of business. They should be able to take care of Toledo, even though Toledo was a really good team last year in terms of where they ranked in Mac play. But Illinois just is way too good up front on the offensive line and the defensive line. I don't think this game is going to be really close. It's not going to be one of those games that, you know, it's going to be a blowout at halftime. Just do the Illinois style of play. Illinois is one of those teams that is run heavy. They want to take a lot of time off the clock. They want to wear you down over the course of the game. So this is probably going to be a 31-0 victory. It's not going to be a 63-0 showing, but I think Illinois should win this game. Probably 38-14 is my final score prediction. I'm like, I, I love Penn State over West Virginia, man. West Virginia is not looking good for those boys up there. I love South Carolina against North Carolina. North Carolina is not a good team. They're so Drake May dependent. And even though Drake May can keep them in this game because Drake May, the gap between him and Caleb Williams is not that big. He's crazy. He He's ridiculous. All right. Caleb Williams, he's he's freaking insane. But Drake May, he he's like that too. And if... UNC can give him good protection in this game and he plays his best football. North Carolina is going to have a shot. But I'm really surprised that they're a favorite in this game. South Carolina just has the better overall team. Their offensive line probably is a concern, but I think they should have that figured out. Their offensive line has been down for the last couple of years. Shane Beamer is a really good coach, though. And Beamer Ball. Is something that I don't think UNC is prepared for. You remember, South Carolina, they was on the tear the last couple of games of last season. They ended Tennessee's playoff hopes. Spencer Rattler was on fire in that game. Their defense was lights out against Clemson. I mean, like, their special teams is really good. Well, I won't say their defense was lights out against Clemson, but their defense did make some big plays. 
in certain games. And I think with how good their secondary can be this year, amongst the best in the SEC, I don't think that North Carolina is going to be able to get enough key stops on defense in order to stop South Carolina's offense. So I like South Carolina. Give me Texas Tech over Wyoming. I love Tulane over South Alabama. UCLA versus Coastal Carolina is a really interesting game. Coastal Carolina does have Grayson McCall, and they do have a pretty solid team. And they could be starting Dante Moore. I'll take Coastal to be able to cover. UCLA probably will win, but they got Dante Moore at QB. Maybe he has some groin pains. I don't know if he is going to be the starter, but most people expect him to start. Rutgers against Northwestern. I'm taking Rutgers. Northwestern isn't good, and they got a new head coach. And anytime you got to name an interim head coach on a short notice like how Northwestern did, normally they end up not being that good. Oregon State over San Jose State. Their defense is so phenomenal. Florida State, I'm taking them to be able to beat LSU. They're just a better team than LSU, in my opinion. Not by a huge margin, but with the guys they picked up in the transfer portal, I don't think that LSU is going to beat Florida State. I think FSU takes two straight over them. Give me Clemson over Duke. I do think they can cover. I think that Duke can keep it within two touchdowns, but I think it'll probably be like 14 points. I think that Clemson's defense is so good that I don't really think that Duke is going to have enough talent offensively, even though they do got a really good quarterback. Duke's defense, I don't know how they're going to match up against Clemson. I think that Clemson just overall being a more talented team, they're going to get the best of Duke. So I think that Clemson can win that game 31-17. to Give me Clemson to cover so, I got to predict some scores for these games. I like Florida State, 34-31. LSU, Clemson, Duke, 31-17. Who will score the most points this week? Man, I probably got to go Tennessee. Tennessee or Michigan probably is where I'm going to go. I'll probably go Tennessee because Virginia, those boys suck. And their defense is not going to be good. They have no talent on that side of the ball. They're lacking depth. Or oh, who will score the fewest points this week? Going Virginia, man. That, that, that game is going to be a slaughter fest. ECU, they might be able to get like a fluke touchdown off a return or something. But I'm going with Virginia. Where is Virginia? There they go. Oh, that Virginia. All right. So these are my college football week one picks against the spread. Let me know what you guys think down in the comment section down below. We're going to revisit this next week. Before we move on to our final topic, if you haven't already, make sure that you go ahead, leave a like, and subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. If you enjoyed today's episode of the podcast, leave us with a five-star review. We're not just available on YouTube. You can find us on 
all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. Leave us with the five-star review. We will greatly appreciate it. There's a lot of pressure on Jordan Love and Justin Fields going into this season, man. Justin Fields, there are many people who believe that he could be a possible MVP candidate. You're looking at Justin Fields, and there's a lot of people who believe that if he takes the next step in his development, the Chicago Bears are going to be a playoff team. Meanwhile, with Jordan Love, Packers fans seem to have somewhat tempered expectations. They're not expecting him to be shit, but they're not expecting him to be the next coming of Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. Jordan Love has a really good supporting cast around him. You probably could go as far to say that the Packers have a better team than what the Chicago Bears have. They got a really good offensive line with tons of depth. They got a really good group of young wide receivers. Christian Watson was outstanding as a rookie. Romeo Dobbs had a good rookie season. And then they drafted rookie Jaden Reed and tight end Luke Musgrave, who could be the best rookie tight end this season. I like him more than Dawson Knox. Not a knock on, well, not Dawson Knox, but Don Kincaid. Don Kincaid, he's going to have a solid rookie season, but Luke Musgrave, I think he's going to be a go-to target for Jordan Love. Justin Fields, his team is way better than what he had to work with last year. The offensive line with Darnell Wright should be significantly improved. They spent a lot of money in free agency trying to add talent to the linebacker unit with Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards there. Now, defensively, Chicago should be able to slow down Jordan Love and his Packers offense. For Justin Fields, if he loses to Jordan Love, think about what the narrative is going to be about him following this game. Him losing to Jordan Love. People aren't expecting a lot from Jordan Love. Nobody is expecting Jordan Love to look like a superstar this year. Meanwhile, the expectations for Justin Fields, people think that this dude could be a MVP candidate this year. They think he can take a Jalen Hurts kind of leap in development. And there's a good possibility he can. But if the Bears lose, people are going to change on him really fast. And this is a huge rivalry game. This is probably, what, the oldest rivalry in the NFL? Justin Fields has a lot to prove. And if the Bears don't win this game and let's say Justin Fields struggles and he gets outplayed by Jordan Love, people are going to really fast change their belief in Justin Fields. They're going to go from Justin Fields believers to Justin Fields doubters just as fast because nobody's expecting Jordan Love to be as good as what Justin Fields can be. And expectations are everything in life. Expectations kind of define how people perceive you. And when you're Jordan Love going into week one, nobody's expecting you to be that great. And meanwhile, people expect Justin Fields to reach superstar status this season, be a top 10 quarterback. If he loses this game to Jordan Love, I think that the way that people view Justin Fields is going to be dramatically altered. If you're one of those people that already are high on him anyway, 
If you're one of those people that already are a little bit down on Justin Fields and you don't think it's going to work, then you're going to have even more reason to be down on Justin Fields. Justin Fields has a really good supporting cast around him. Even though this team still has some significant holes, he has enough to work with. Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson at running back, wide receiver DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Cole Kamen at tight end who just got paid. Justin Fields has no more excuses. This is an improved group of pass catchers that he's going to be throwing the football to. He's a dynamic runner, but he has to prove it as a passer. And Green Bay's defense isn't really the best, not because they don't have talent, but because many Packers fans don't like defensive coordinator Joe Barry. They believe he's one of the worst defensive coordinators in the league and that he's holding this defense back. If Justin Fields struggles and the Bears lose this game and Jordan Love shines, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to have a lot of skepticism about Justin Fields moving forward. He has to win this game more than what Jordan Love has to. Jordan Love, if he wins this game, people are going to be really high on him. People are going to start changing their tone to Jordan Love. Meanwhile, Justin Fields, if he wins this game, people are going to kind of feel like he was supposed to win this game because nobody expects Jordan Love to be that good. So Jordan Love winning this game and the Packers pulling off the win kind of would be an upset in a lot of people's minds. A lot of people would kind of be shocked if Jordan Love balled out in this game and not played Justin Fields. That's why Justin Fields has more pressure on him in this matchup than Jordan Love and why he has to be able to win this game for Chicago. This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I apologize for being muted. I'm going to go ahead and edit that out. If you guys haven't already, make sure that you go ahead, leave a like, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. I will see you guys tomorrow with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.